Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The New Statesman. You're listening to audio long reads from The New Statesman. The best of our reported features and essays read aloud. In this episode, Margaret Atwood, Why I Write Dystopias, read by Amelia Stubberfield. The piece you're about to hear was published in the 20th of October 2022 issue of the New Statesman magazine, which was guest edited by Greta Thunberg. Practical Utopias, Margaret Atwood, Booker Prize-winning author of more than 50 books of fiction, poetry and critical essays. Way back in 2001, I began writing a novel called Oryx and Crake. I was with some bird biologists, and they had been discussing extinction, the probable future extinction of several of the bird species we'd just been looking at, including the red-necked crake, but also extinction of species in general, Our own species was included. How long had we got? If we were to go extinct, would our extinction be self-inflicted? How doomed were we? Biologists have been having such conversations since at least the 1950s. My father was a forest entomologist, and he was very interested in our collective stupidities and also our collective prospects. At the dinner table when I was a teenager, a sort of cheerful gloom prevailed. Yes, things would get worse. Yes, we would probably pollute ourselves to death if we didn't blow ourselves up with atomic bombs. No, people didn't want to face facts. They never do until the facts are unavoidable. The Titanic was unsinkable until suddenly it wasn't. Past the mashed potatoes. And that was before the cod population crashed, before the sea level had measurably risen, before Insectageddon, before we'd even begun tracking global warming in any serious way. It was when we still had a big chance to stave off the worst impacts of carbon emissions. Now we have only a little chance, because we missed the other chances. Will we miss this one too? The premises of Oryx and Crake are that we currently have the capability to bioengineer a virus capable of wiping out humanity very swiftly and that someone might be tempted to do just that, in order to save the entire biosphere and all life within it from destruction at the hands of our species. Think of what the scientist Craig does in the novel as a sort of triage. If humanity goes, the rest of life stays. 
But if not, then not. It's a high probability that if nothing is done to stop the climate crisis and the parallel species extinctions now well underway, a crake will appear among us with a mission to put us out of our misery. In Oryx and Crake, we are to be replaced by an upgrade. Humans without the fatal flaws and desires that have led us into our present dire predicament. The new humans don't need clothing, thus no polluting fabric industries, and they are grass-eating vegans, so no use for agriculture. They are non-violent, self-healing and without jealousy. But Oryx and Crake is fiction. In real life, the production of such a species is not believable, or not in the short run. Yes, we are already gene editing, but not on the scale envisaged by the designer species scheme in Oryx and Crake. If the climate crisis proceeds unchecked, we will disappear before we can execute a succession stratagem. Because the oceans will die, and the major part of our oxygen supply along with them. Crake did not believe we would have the will or the desire to reverse our lethal modes of living. We present-day humans would have to be eliminated just to keep the blue dot planet alive. If I could summarise humanity's most necessary mission today, it would be in three words. Prove Crake wrong. But how can we prove Crake wrong? A complex question. I'm not sure how to answer it. If we reverse global CO2 emissions and dial back global warming, and that's a big if, we will have at least begun. But then there are the other pieces of the predicament. The toxic chemical contamination of almost everything, the ongoing destruction of ecosystems, the social chaos that's unleashed when famine, fires, floods and droughts strike and governments can no longer cope. The problems can seem overwhelming. One thing is certain. If people lose hope, there is indeed no hope. In a small effort to begin with hope, I've participated in a thought experiment. It's called Practical Utopias, and it has taken place on an online interactive learning platform called Disco. Why bother? I suppose this project was a response to a question I have often been asked. Why have you written only dystopias and not any utopias? My answer used to go something like this. In the mid to late 19th century, utopias were thick on the ground. Some were literary, such as William Morris's News from Nowhere, in which beautiful people did a lot of arts and crafts in lovely natural settings. W.H. Hudson's A Crystal Age, which solved poverty and perceived overpopulation by doing away with sex. And Edward Bellamy's Looking Backward, which anticipated credit cards and was a huge bestseller. Some were real-life attempts, such as the Oneida community, with shared sex and silverware. The Shakers, with no sex, but wonderfully designed simple furniture. And Brook Farm and Fruitlands, which were high on idealism and low on practical experience, with, for instance, farms and fruit. Then there were visions of futures populated with many new things and technologies. Air travel, submarines, rapid transit vehicles of various kinds. So many transformative things had already been invented. Steam trains, sewing machines, photography. Why shouldn't there be more? And then more? Criticisms of capitalism were usual in these utopias, 
both literary and real life. Surely this rapacious system, with its boom and bust cycles and its extreme worker exploitation, should be replaced by something more egalitarian, with wealth distribution and sharing of labour. Utopias in general have addressed the problems that haunted their own ages, and in the 19th century, poverty and overcrowding, widespread disease, industrial and urban pollution, the condition of workers and the woman question were seen as the problems of those times. Every literary utopia I've come across offered solutions to each. But then came the 20th century. Literary utopias disappeared. Why was that? Possibly because that century witnessed several nightmares that began as utopian social visions. The USSR came into being through the dreams of the old Bolsheviks, but then turned into Stalin's dictatorship, which liquidated the old Bolsheviks, along with millions of others. Hitler's Third Reich gained absolute power through promises to create jobs for all, all real Germans, that is, with the results we know. There are other examples too numerous to list, but one possible result is that literary utopias became implausible, whereas literary dystopias, such as George Orwell's 1984, drawing much inspiration from real ones, proliferated. Does that mean we should stop trying to improve things? Not at all. If we stop trying to get better, the result will be worse, and we'll end up in a dystopia anyway. But it does mean that we should be aware of the pitfalls. Which brings me back to the question I was repeatedly being asked. Why not write a utopia? Give us a bit of hope. The article will continue after this break. For the text version of this article and all our long reads, subscribe to The New Statesman for just £1 a week for 12 weeks using our special podcast offer. Just visit www.newstatesman.com forward slash podcast offer. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. If you're enjoying our audio long reads, you might also like the New Statesman's international news podcast, World Review. Twice a week, the international team unpack the most significant stories in world affairs and interview special guests for their unique perspective and expertise. Get better informed with World Review, available wherever you get your podcasts. Literary utopias are challenging, as fiction. They tend to read like lesson plans or government reports. Everything's perfect. So where's the conflict? I wasn't inclined to try. But then why not attempt a real lesson plan of sorts? Practical ideas that might actually address the pressing problems of our time, as literary utopias had attempted to do in the past. Along came a new interactive learning platform called Disco. Would I do something with them, they asked. Yes, I said. Practical utopias. In a nutshell, could we create a society that sequestered more carbon than it produced, whilst also creating a fairer, more equal society? We would have to consider the most basic elements. What would we eat? Who or what would produce our food? Where would we live? In dwellings built of what? The materials would have to be new ones. What would we wear? Made out of what, since the clothing industry is a big carbon polluter? How about energy sources? And travel and transport, if any? In addition to these, we would have to consider how people would govern themselves and how they would share wealth. Would there be a tax system? Would there be charities? What political structures would we have? What about our health care? What about gender equality? Diversity and inclusion? Wealth and resource distribution? What sorts of arts and entertainment would we have, if any? Would we still make books from paper and what kind of paper? The beauty product industry is wasteful. Would we cook up our own hand lotion? Would we allow an internet and if so, how much energy would it burn? Would there be a police force of any kind? A judicial system? An army? And what about waste management? And come to that, funerals. Cremation is highly productive of carbon dioxide. What are the alternatives to making one's exit in a puff of smoke? Just assembling the materials for this course led me and the researchers to a horde of sources about which we'd had no idea. And inviting special guests with deep knowledge of these issues revealed to us that many of them did not know about the work that the others were doing. Raising awareness, sharing discoveries and envisaging ways of joining forces thus became part of our project. The climate crisis is multi-dimensional. Any solution to it 
will have to be multidimensional as well. And these solutions, to be effective, would have to be adopted by a large section of society. A daunting prospect. Les Stroud, who created the television series Survivor Man, names four elements that anyone attempting to escape a life-threatening situation, a plane crash in the Andes, a boat adrift at sea, must have on their side in order to succeed. They are knowledge, appropriate equipment, willpower and luck. These may be present in varying proportions. Even with no equipment, you might make it through if you have enough luck. But if you have none of the four, you won't survive. We as a species are approaching a life-threatening situation. How do we score on each of the magic four? We have a lot of knowledge, we know what the problems are, and we know more or less what must be done to solve them. Appropriate equipment is something we already have a lot of, and we're inventing more by the week. New materials, new techniques, new machines and processes. At the level of households, and even towns and cities, we have the know-how to reinvent our way of life. But what we're lacking at the moment is willpower. Are we up to the challenges? Can we face the tasks ahead? Or do we prefer to drift aimlessly, thinking someone or something will descend from the sky to save us? Willpower and hope are connected. Neither is much use without the other. In order for hope to be efficacious, you have to act on it. But without any hope at all, you lose the will to struggle on. However, even if we have the knowledge, the equipment and the willpower, we'll still need luck. But what is luck, apart from good weather? We make our own luck, is an old saying. So let's make some luck. Why I Write Dystopias was read by Amelia Stubberfield. If you enjoyed this episode, have a listen to Wrestling with Orwell, Ian McEwan on the art of the political novel, which is linked in the show notes. This has been audio long reads from the New Statesman. This episode was produced by May Robson, commissioned by Melissa Deans, and the executive producer was Chris Stone. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to like, subscribe and rate the show. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. 
Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.